Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week, we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewitt. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hi. How's it going? (laughs) Good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm just peeved that I got a parking ticket. Oh, yeah. How much? Sucks. 30? 35? 30 bucks. It's not that bad. Yeah, but this is super not ideal. I used to cry when I got tickets. (laughs) Really? Like for real cry? Um, I remember I got a speeding ticket when I was in Waterloo when I was a student and I was on my way, I worked at a pub and I was on my way to my shift and I got like a $40 oh. and I was just like, that's all my tips for the night. Oh. <laughs> so upsetting. Oh, but now I'm a little, I'm a little more comfortable, so it's not as upsetting, but it's still upsetting. Still yeah, like I'd rather spend that money on food or well, probably food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of my money goes to food. Yeah. I'd say that's right. Yeah. And now parking tickets apparently. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, tell me something good. What's up? Oh, okay. I wanted to share with you. There's an interesting article um, that kind of popped up when I was reading something else on CBC today. Um, There's a woman in Victoria and she did yoga at a studio. It's called Quantum and it's an old Bikram studio. They just changed their name and the branding a little bit. Yeah. So it's like a hot practice. And she, um, she went in there and she asked the person at the front desk, I think, and she asked the teacher if she could take her top off in class because that's legal in BC. I don't know about the rest of Canada. Bra? Yeah. Her whole top. Her whole. Yeah. Um, and then I think she did the practice. And then I think one of the teachers after, maybe it was a different teacher. I'm not exactly sure, said for her to cover up for next time. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was thinking about this. I just thought that was really interesting because when I, when I read stuff like this, I mean, her, she has a little video. I'll, I'll just link to it so you guys can see if I knew her studio owners or teachers no no she's just talking about she's talking about like (laughs) desexualization of the body and um, Uh. the rights of the business owner and she respects the business owner and and like she has no hard feelings against them like they get to make their rules that's fine but the 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 participants will choose where they want to go blah 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 um it was a really interesting little blurb though like i thought about it i don't know how i would feel like i think she's actually very correct in like it does it does seem very old school in vancouver there was like some a couple women on commercial drive that walk around without shirts all the time and it's like super normal i get it i get why people i don't know are uncomfortable but i don't know if they they're they're being uncomfortable should make someone dress a certain way yeah yeah, but then also you're running a business and uh, that's tough. Like if someone is going to, you can't, you can't help that society, society's norm is to wear a top in yoga class. So if someone is like irked by that, you can also understand that, yeah, they're going to be a little bit uncomfortable and then maybe they choose not to go to your studio and then 
you as a business owner, are you going to be, who do you stand up for? The people, you know, like, yeah, both of them are paying you money. <laughs> like, but like, what are you do, supposed to do? do? You go like the more progressive way and be like, okay, we're embracing this. This is fine. In Victoria, Victoria is like, mm. you can do that kind of stuff here. Like this is the city to try yeah. that stuff out in for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, do you go the pro- progressive way or do you, do you help make people who are uncomfortable that feel more comfortable by, you know, making everyone wear a shirt? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Cause she was talking about like discriminatory clothing, basically like your discomfort is putting something on someone else's body and that's not yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you got to get your, like, I don't really feel bad for people who feel uncomfortable. It's like, that's usually some shit that they got to deal with. Oh yeah, for sure. But so. also it, it's like, then you're also forcing you as a naked person are forcing the people who are clothed to deal with their shit. Yeah. That's, is that any that's better? That's a great yoga class right there. <laughs> <laughs> but is that any better than the clothes people making the naked person? Yeah, because I think they're what they're uncomfortable about is um there's not like they have to deal with it because I don't know. I really don't think there's that big of an issue. You think so? You think it's like yeah. they don't know or they just Oh, I think it's just old school thinking like tits make them yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's like people yeah, yeah, who yeah. get uncomfortable yeah. when people are breastfeeding. Yeah. Like, yeah, and you want to take that out of the room. Come on. Right? And like, and, if a, and like she says, like, it's your right to your body. If you're comfortable with your body, but you don't want to show it to anyone, that's fine too. I'm not, she's not saying like everyone show your boobs off in a yoga class. Yeah. Um, and it's like same with the breastfeeding mother. Some people want to cover because it's like their bonding moment that's private and special just for them. And some people are totally fine exposing themselves. It's not really exposing themselves, but you know, sharing that experience so i don't know it's interesting you can give it a read i don't know what i would do if i was a studio owner i have no idea i'd just be i'd be like but like to to create (laughs) to create change and like to create more acceptance around that like someone's got to stand up someone's got to say like yeah Yeah. this is okay and it was like passed back in like 2000 or something that it was legal for women to to be topless at least in british columbia I don't know in Ontario. I don't think it is in Ontario. I feel like I have seen a topless woman walking down the street and like officers telling her to put on clothes. I feel like I saw that on Queen really? Street last summer or the summer before. Yeah. But that's like, is it different in, in a public space versus a no. like a commercial space? No, right? No. It's the same. Yeah. I think, yeah, so I think it, it's maybe the same. It's not, yeah. Maybe it's not legal here or it's not like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Below the belt, different scenario. <laughs> different scene. Cause yeah. I don't know. I couldn't actually, I couldn't actually explain why. Oh, really? I can. Well, There's like liquids and fluids and like that, <laughs> like that dirty man, that dirty. Like I don't want to sit on a chair. Oh, I, I mean like, like yeah, I know. Wouldn't, I wouldn't like, do it dirty. myself. Like I want to keep myself clean, but I mean the majority of people who are exposing the below the belt area are being a creep (laughs) man or woman you know that's pretty Um, well understood i think or that's the that's what's going on right now maybe that would change i mean maybe a nude beach is totally different and but just like if you're whipping it out you're flashing people (laughs) consent (laughs) yeah it's really it's really um 
I guess it's like a, a an issue that is starting to move into our space as well. And yeah, I don't know. I do kind I of know. feel like I've seen some topless guys this summer and it's really not that hot here that you need to be without a shirt. Like it just, mm. it just isn't. Um, and I've seen some people like walking around and like super strut on and I'm like, okay, they're feeling good. They're showing, yeah. and they're not even necessarily like ridiculously athletic body type, but they feel good in their skin and that's fine. But I did have a feeling of like, yeah, that's something like we can't do. Like we can't feel safe doing. Oh, of course not. No. Like our society is way too, like what I heard this, was it a comedian or someone said like, um, I don't remember where I heard it again. It's in my brain and I don't know where it came from, mm-hmm. but the whole idea that like, um, you know, the, the argument that like, Oh, you had it coming. Like you, you dress so scandalously that Ugh. of course guys are going to look at you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why are we teaching women to cover up versus teaching men not to rape? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Like why is society so backwards and like, why is it such a, a weird standard that we have? Um, and yeah, that like it totally makes sense, um, to me, but I, I also understand that yes, like we, we come from a society that has a history of like puritanism, right? Like this, like, um, even if you're not Christian in society, we do have like Christian ideals, mm-hmm. um, that are like sort of reflected in law and in policy, like, um, certain things that are, are sort of echoed through, uh, our history as, as North Americans. And to force people to confront change, um, I mean, it, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's just, I think it's difficult. Oh, it is. And and, yeah. Yeah. And like in the yoga class scenario, like you're forcing someone to be uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't know. I think, uh, also like a little bit of consent there as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But like if a, if, if a guy can be topless in a yoga class, does he have to get consent from everyone else? The women. Yeah. Maybe he should have Maybe to. Should those ni- those nipples are dangerous, man? You don't even know. What do you mean they're dangerous? I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm making a joke because <laughs> oh. <laughs> heaven forbid, like you see the the nipples of a woman through her shirt. Even you got to wear a bra with like yeah. max padding or like a sports yeah. bra that flattens yeah. them. Nipples. Oh, are I know. Dangerous. My mom used to be like, "Yeah, you can't walk outside with your bra strap showing." Oh God. Yeah. It's like, what the, what's the difference between that and like a t-shirt sleeve? I don't, I don't understand the difference. Yeah. It's like your collarbones are super. Collarbones. Super. So <laughs> hot. So hot. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. we live in Canada. We have it pretty well, but still like you, they, people do need to fight for equality. I don't know. I think it's cool what this girl did. She, she, she speaks really well. If you watch her little video, yeah. like the way she articulates herself. Yeah, um, I'm into it. She has a good argument. So yeah, I think that stuff is, is good to keep us thinking and moving forward in some way. And of course, this mm-hmm. is not going to be like a big change, but like maybe mm-hmm. 30 years from now, it'll be super normal. Yeah. I think it goes pretty yeah. slowly though. Yeah. I was considering this morning, I, I did like a yoga practice at home. Um, and I was like, getting a little bit like warmer and I was like, ah, maybe I should just go naked. <laughs> maybe like it's my own mat it's my own house you know like i can clean everything and like no one else is touching it but me um but then you know what i just got lazy (laughs) like because i was moving right i was doing things i was like okay this feels good and then i just it just like 
like it came into my mind and then left my mind yeah as well. <laughs> so yeah it didn't happen give it a go but, next time let me yeah. know how it feels yeah if i get really warm i will i will take off my pajamas and do it mm. i don't know it might be weird to have like air touch certain parts i'm cold all the time so it's really hard for me to do like i think i'd be fine with doing it but just like yeah i'd have to get pretty warmed up and then like whip it everything off <laughs> it, yeah it would have to be like that like i want to be I, mm-hmm. I want air on all my parts not like this is weird yeah eric doesn't really feel comfortable taking his shirt off in a hot class like even like a super hot class he won't mm, i don't think he ever yeah. has he's just like no i'm good i feel like a weirdo if i do that and i'm like okay yeah it's legit <laughs> like some people yeah yeah I like wonder. i think yeah. it's accepted it would be fine but he doesn't yeah. feel comfortable so yeah that's fine yeah yeah. See, then that that might be something interesting for him to like observe as well, right? Like, well, he's very respectful of like being in a space that's the majority mm, women. So you think that's it? That yeah. that he would want consent? Yeah, yeah, he would want that. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's where we're gonna go towards. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or or maybe it's like a class that explicitly says in this class we are okay for anyone taking off their shirts mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then if you're not okay you just don't attend that class yeah i think that would have to be yeah discussed put in the in the stuff that you read what prefer Agree you to yeah yeah i kind of i kind of think that yeah that might be one option to get around this all right consent issue but this isn't what we're talking about today after that, but it, people can check it out. We're talking about... Super interesting, though. Yeah. <laughs> hypermobility. <laughs> Whoa. Hypermobility. Totally not related to not, nudity, not, but... Not at all. No, not even a little. Um, do you want to give us a little rundown? What is hypermobility? So hypermobility is when you your joints um, have too much movement in them, and then, so they go past usually in i'm thinking about like how you move your joints is it mostly in extension Ah, it just depends on the joint i won't go there (laughs) yeah yeah it depends on the joint um but you you have more movement within the ligaments usually and then the the tendinous connections from your muscles to your joints themselves there's there's more laxity Mm. and um, you might be able to articulate it better because you experience it more in your body. I only experience it a little bit in my knees, but in my experience, hypermobility is creates lazy muscles as well because you tend to just kind of lay past um, that ideal kind of locked range of motion, and you can put pressure into the ligaments more easily than a normal non-hypermobile joint would you say <laughs> i'm trying to think if you if you uh, actually agree we never talked about this before if you agree with that it, it's it's possible but for very very hypermobile people who are who have learned to deal with it they tend to be already pretty darn strong because they have learned that if they go into that range it will result in something um worse later mm-hmm yeah. yeah. So if they've grown up and they're adults and they're dealing with it, then they know how to not 
like lay in already um but but yeah if if it's like a child who's just like oh my thumb does this can you do that <laughs> then then there has to be that education um because they might not feel it until they're you know 15 or 16 when things really start to stiffen and like um I think it's, yeah, as children, like a lot of our bones are still cartilage, right? And so that process of calcification of bones turning more and more solid does take time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's like an age range. It's not like a, you turned 18 and your bones are all bones now. Like it's not hard and fast like that. Um, so this is, it is something that's very individual. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention with hypermobility is that it, it's sort of like a, a range. So it's not just like after the certain point you are hypermobile and until you get there, you are not. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like this, there's a huge gray scale when it comes to it. Um, and so the, the most, um, extreme, the medically diagnosed one is called that EDS. I don't know how to actually say, it. I think it's Aeolos. Er- Danos, I, Erlers Danos, something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I just, where is help? this on our, on our note list? Oh, it's not on our note list. Okay. Sorry. Well, I don't know what you're talking so, about. That. <laughs> really? You, you've never come across this? No. Do tell. Okay. Do tell. So I will be linking a video and it's, um, on how to pronounce a... that word. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me just Hopefully. Google this. Um, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Ehlers Danlos. Like there's so many L's. Ehlers Danlos. E H L E R S D A N L O S syndrome. Okay. Okay. Maybe you've never Googled it or like no. researched it because, cause you don't, you don't have anything. I, ha- I have a little bit of hypermobility, it. but it's not body wide. It's, yeah. it's more posturally derived, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that syndrome, uh, the EDS syndrome is like a diagnosable one and it comes with its own, you know, symptoms and, and things they, they sort of, um, recommend for people who are, are um, diagnosed. And usually I believe that they are diagnosed pretty young because they have joint pain as a kid playing sports hurts. Um, you know, certain things just hurt and they're able to like sublux their spine or like they're able to dislocate a shoulder and then put it back, dislocate, put it back. And they're like, yeah, that's just normal. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll link to a video where they they show you how that's diagnosed. It's called the Baton score and it's like um you you put your so if you hold your arm out, um grab your thumb, can you pull your thumb towards your forearm? Can you reach down and put flat hands on the floor with your legs absolutely straight? Do your knees hyperextend past 10 degrees? Does your elbow extend past 10 degrees? Um and then depending on how many you get like yes, 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 then you're diagnosed with it or without it. But really it is like a range. Like you can, it can be more in some areas, less in some other areas. Cause of course, bony deviations, like the bones will also change how your joints move. Um, and the shape of the bones, of course we know is, is different, um, person per person. Um, so yeah, there's a range and, um, it, it depends. <laughs> Sweet. So, Okay, this is I am said sweet because this is going to a place that I didn't really think about when we first thought of talking about hypermobility. Um and so I'm recognizing more now that you have hypermobility where it is body-wide probably present in in every joint and in the way that is is probably by like the hormone relaxin which we talked about with um 
Allie when she was on the prenatal episode. Oh, I don't know. It might be genetic. Right. Okay. So it might be, ge- well, yeah. even genes affect your hormones. Like ge- yes. Ge- yes. genes write your hormones. So yes, maybe it's relaxing. Maybe there's, I mean, there's tons and tons of hormones. That's just the, one of the ones that we hear about more. So maybe there's a, um, a genetic thereby um, resulting in hormonal effect on what gives your ligaments more, more room to move too much in or, this case. Yes. Or the other thing is, is possibly a different um, form of collagen through the fascia. Mm-hmm. Remember genes even affect like how you produce collagen. So they're like a, a hypermobile person's collagen um, fascia matrix might look slightly different, which allows more space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't, yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that, which, um, so yeah, cool. <laughs> Maybe something I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have hypermobility. So that's like a body wide thing. Like you said, more genetically based, whatever, whatever it's mm-hmm. coding in your body. Um, and mm-hmm. then you can have kind of joint specific, which is more derived probably on how we, how we move as infants, yeah. I would say like, yeah. and, and I'm see more and more people with knee, I don't know if I'd call it hypermobility or just like hyperextension. So yeah. it can probably be broken down into specific movements as well. Yeah. So knee hyperextension because of like how we walk, how we walk, learn to walk in shoes, how we sit a lot as a toddler and then more in seats and chairs as we are um, children and adolescents and just do we, our muscles don't learn as much to support our knee joint correctly. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely, um, and, and when we look at it like that one joint, um, and it's not anywhere else, then that most likely is not like a genetic hypermobility. Mm-hmm. That's just like a, a joint laxity or that specific joint or, um, that specific joint just has a range of motion that is abnormal. Like for instance, some people's hips are able to internally rotate quite far past the the 10 degrees that we deem as normal. So we deem normal as 10 degrees of internal rotation at the hips. Um, some people can go way farther than that. And that's absolutely normal to them. And it, it's just the shape of their either their bones or cartilage um, habits, how they sit as children, because we know that the bones are, are usually they're, they're more cartilaginous as children. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they form into the. Yeah. So like it's, it's a whole history. How active were you as a kid? Um, and then what activities did you participate in as a kid? Like it, it's such a it's so hard to, to know the, the exact um, location where, where that gave you either like the, the increased joint mobility or maybe it is a, a hypermobility. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. So it can, it's like potentially learnt or you can think of it as unlearnt if you're looking at that joint specific or, or even movement specific, like you're looking at extension in the knee or something or mm-hmm. external rotation in the hip. And it might be mm-hmm. then uh, more of an inhibition of the neurological signal that usually turns the muscles on to create stability. It's like you've mm. sat in a chair, you've sat in a chair, you're sat in a chair. Your nervous system is not like, hey, do you need that? Do you need the hip stabilizer? Do you, do you, do you need it? Do you need it? Do you need it? It's like, no, like you're not calling for that yeah. action anymore. So it just kind of turns off and it doesn't react anymore. Your body is smart mm-hmm. and lazy, right? So it's like, I'm not going to do that. There's a, <laughs> there's a sweet chair holding me up. Yeah. Well, it's smart. So it is lazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, it learns to be lazy. Yeah. That's totally right. Um, 
Yeah, but I, I think like in true hypermobility, from what I understand of it, like in, in genetic hypermobility, where it's like the entire organism, the entire body, the collagen is slightly different. Um, they even mention things like the skin texture is slightly different because we know skin is mostly collagen, keratin, all those other um, lovely fascial proteins. Um, so in, in those cases, um, by the time you get to adulthood, so if you are a yoga teacher and someone comes up to you and says, yeah, I have, I'm on the hypermobility spectrum, I, I'm somewhere along there with some joint hypermobility, um, you're going to know that they've made it so far <laughs> and they probably know what's good and bad for them, even if you don't as a teacher. And that's what we're here to sort of help educate you about. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then the, yeah, I think you already, you mentioned it with the bones. So you could have maybe just, um, especially in the hips, like you mentioned, your ball and socket, um, can have like a different shape. Like the shape of that is, is really varied in humans. So just the, Mm -hmm. the bone to bone, um, that allows you that certain range of motion can be different. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. So do you identify with being on the hypermobility spectrum? I think so. I think, I think I'm, I'm more hypermobile than a lot of people, but, and remember there is like a, a race correlation. Um, I think it was Tom Myers or, uh, I think even, um, Bernie Clark in his books have mentioned that, um, the Asian, uh, genetics, because, uh, we come from like a hot climate, ligaments tend to be, um, looser. Um, because that allows passage of heat, whereas in northern climate, um, genetically, the, the ligaments are tighter and closer because that conserves heat and produces more friction. Whereas where like the Asians are more about like spreading friction, reducing heat, con- like reducing the heat within the body. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I have I have the ability to go straight legs, put hands onto the floor Um I think my elbows hyperextend a little bit. I don't know if they would count as like that 10 degrees. I think my knees can hyperextend, but I haven't like gone into that mm-hmm. <laughs> in a while. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably score somewhere on that test. Um, even if I wouldn't like, I, I probably wouldn't be diagnosed with that whole um, ED, EDH, EHDS. I don't remember what it's called. Ailos, Danlos, that thing that I can't pronounce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I I think I'm somewhere along it. Um, and plus it was the other thing for me that really like, um, sparked my interest in this was that it, yoga was so easy for me. <laughs> I know that's, I'm not saying it to brag, but I'm just saying it that like, I think my fascia just is very easily stretched mm-hmm. and, and very easily pulled and then it doesn't rebound back very quickly. So it was very, I, I like progressed into straight legged, um, like hamstring stretch, um, quite quickly, like within, you know, six weeks or seven weeks when I started yoga. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so good at yoga. Like, look at me with a straight leg. I progressed into like feet behind the head within like a year. Um, and yeah, like it, it's consistent practice, but it's also just like my body allowed for that to happen without injury. Um, until of course I did get injured and it went too far. Um, but yeah, so that, that's why I, I got kind of interested in this. How about you? You, you have no, like I just have local um kind of posturally learned hypermobility or hyperextension in my knees that's all I would say yeah like okay and then I think that's literally just from it's just a it's just a result of like 
growing up modern day. I see it in so many mm. bodies. Like you see so many people standing mm. with their knees kind of locked, but not, not a locked and lifted, like a locked and sagged. So the back, mm. the back of the knee, calf really kind of bows out backwards, then a flat back of the knee going up into the mm. hamstring. There's like no yeah. little, there's no knee pit. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to, um, I've learned in yoga, like, to to get out of that habit is to use my hamstrings more because hamstrings are going to bend your knee, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't practice yeah. like when teachers cue a really straight back leg and a high lunge. Um, that's mm, a lot. Interesting. It's a lot on my psoas too because we know in that shape, like unless your pelvis is tilted forward quite a bit, like that is a an abnormal amount of range of, of, of extension, in your pelvis mm-hmm. and your hips specifically there. Mm-hmm. So for most bodies, you need a knee bend. So I, I keep a bit of the knee bend because I'm, I want mm-hmm. to maintain engagement of the hamstrings, but we're going to probably yeah. talk body specific on another episode, but that's just like what the little story yeah. of my, my experience. I wouldn't say it's hypermobile at all. My body as a whole more yeah. the other spectrum. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah, have like closer to muscle it. laziness and I'm kind of rewiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we all do. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's yeah. pretty typical and pretty normal yeah. muscle laziness. Yeah. As I shift yeah. in my chair. <laughs> I, I think that knee extension thing, I, I think it also like ripples up into the hip. Like I, you kind of see it as that like, um, little tuck of the tailbone, sway back, lean forward into the hips and then lock the knees out. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that's like that comfortable sagging into either the front or the side of the hip. You can sort of do it with that like waiting in line, jutting one hip out and mm-hmm. the other leg is lazy. And then you're all – is it like stork leg you can – or flamingo? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Flamingo leg. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the kind of – I think that's what you mean by like that sort of learnt – it's sort of like just ha- habitual postural um sagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I totally do that too. Yeah. Yeah, I have to. I don't go side to side. I don't like do that. Oh, good. Yeah, I won't do that anymore. Yeah. Cause that's really bad. I start to feel really, really crappy in my body really quickly. Yeah. Stand, yeah. but just like standing is difficult. Standing with maintaining that, yeah, that tiny little bit bend in the knees or like a normal, a yeah. normal knee. I would rather walk than stand any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus I have tiny feet. My mom says it's like half my problems. No, she's probably not wrong. Just like the balance factor. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you really do have tiny feet. I think you have smaller feet than I do, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tiny feet. Anyways. I get by. I don't fall down. <sighs> Just don't ask her to stand in line. I know. It's excruciating. No, it's good. Uh, it's like- so the other thing um, I want to just caution about, like identifying hypermobility is not our um it's not our responsibility um mm-hmm. and it, and it is hard to identify because remember we're looking at the joint not at the the shape of the body because i think with the like the, especially the knee one sometimes it can look like hypermobility if the calf is really well developed like if you have a huge ass calf muscle that's me i got um, big calves big tight calves <laughs> then it's sort of like it, it can like look like it's 
because because the calf juts past the hamstring or past the the straightness of the knee, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it looks like it, but it might not be so. And and that's where like a physio or like a proper assessment, because they'll use like an instrument to to look at the joint itself, not at like the the bulk of the muscle. Whereas for us as yoga teachers, often we just see the bulk of the muscle. Um, so just to know that it's not your responsibility to diagnose this. It's just something that we should know how to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever had anyone come into your class, um, like asking you for help with hypermobility or saying that they are on the hypermobile spectrum or, okay. Have you ever had anyone, me neither, um, say that they like appear to have a body that has a lot of flexibility. You can identify that so many times, so much. And then it's sort of like, I can see that they are on that, that spectrum like there are somewhere they're they're closer to um the the hypermobile than they are to hypomobile hypo being like the opposite right mm-hmm. so super stiff like they're closer to hypermobile and you can sort of tell by like the people who are like really good at back bends right away the people who are really good at forward bends right away um do you know what I mean? They're just like naturally very easy to bend. Yeah. <laughs> Their flesh just gives. Almost like, like no resistance. Totally. And it's, it's a little bit beyond their control. I've had some students. Yeah. 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 And this is, this is, well, I f- hope this goes without saying, but it is not confined to like a, a body type, like a more slender type no. or a more, um, curvy type. Nope. Has nothing to do with your or fat like mass. male or female. Probably, I mean, you're gonna see it more on women because you're probably gonna see more women in your classes. Yes, yeah, exactly. But I've <laughs> I've had um, some pretty pretty mobile. I'm not sure if hyper, but extremely flexible males I in my know, classes. I know, I know, and it's like I just remember this one, and he was so we were doing gomukasana arms, one arm up, one arm behind the back, and then you clasp hands behind. Mm-hmm. And he got the clasp. He got the clasp down to the wrist. And he's like, I'm just not feeling this today. And his shoulder is like way behind his ear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, man, dude, how do I? And I think that's partly like, how do we communicate that? Like, no, you good, man, you good. Put your shoulder back in and just be okay with not feeling anything, like not feeling a stretch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's ways you can practice strength in every posture, too. Yes. Yes, there is. Yeah. But I just remember being like dumbfounded by him. I'm just like, holy shit, look at that range in his shoulder. Like, how do I communicate that that's not what we want? Yeah. I remember doing a uh, a little short course. It was actually on adjustments and working with this one guy um, and his downward dog. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm stiff right now. Like usually yeah, I can get yeah. like my head on the ground yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. It's like probably not super ideal for you to do that. I'm like, if you feel safe and like you're working on this, this and this, and that's, I mean, I just, I personally stay out of that because I, I know my shoulders get more unstable if I go there. Um, but yeah. it's like, that's not necessarily what the pose is about. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, I was yeah. like, it's not my place. I wasn't teaching the course. I was trying not to, I was like, yeah. oh man, you, you got to be careful because over time repetition into like that deep range of motion. Yeah. I think that's the other thing to avoid to like, to not let them think that that's what 
you're aiming for. So like those goal oriented words, we sort of have to back out of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, now go so deep. You put your head on the ground. Like, no, maybe just go deep enough that you feel strong in your arms. It depends. I guess it depends what you want out of your down dog. But yeah, that one's a shoulders are a toughie. I guess they're sort of biomechanically built for movement. Like their anatomy is built for movement. So a dislocation there for someone with hypermobility is going to be quite easy, quite, uh, quite, um, almost like the first thing rather than the hips. Cause the hips are more like this deep bowl, mm-hmm. generally more of a deep bowl, especially when we start to put weight on our hands, which is not something we're necessarily built to do because of the shallowness of that joint. Mm-hmm. We can't, we yeah, can't, yeah. we can definitely do it. You can articulate that movement, um, in a very healthy way. And if you load yeah. the body, um, safely over time and build that strength from the deep part of the joint capsule outward, then it's fine. But it's not just like something you lay into. Yeah. Oh, I- yeah. So I think we're, we're talking with a little bit of a, um, assumption here that we don't want to lay in the joints and we don't want to allow for too much, um, past normal range in the joints. And so, can you just, and, and I've actually seen arguments, um, that say like, oh, there's nothing wrong with taking your joint into, um, a little bit outside of normal range. Um, so can you just tell us why hyper, hy- hypermobility is actually not ideal for the body health generally? Well, I kind of mentioned it in the beginning, but not very well. Um, <laughs> so taking your joint beyond a normal healthy range of motion. Actually, no, I didn't articulate this specifically whatsoever. Um, you will begin to, or you have the potential <laughs> to kind of stretch out your joint capsule. The joint, joint capsule is like a tissue, usually like a wrapping of tissue. You can think of it like that around immediately around the bone to bone contact, or as we talked about in our last episode on tex- tensegrity, they don't actually fully contact. Um, but around those, those two bone, bones that make a joint. And so when you start to stretch out the joint capsule, then you have a loss of that strength at the deepest level. And, and then your muscles, even if you have hypermobility at all, like you're just working in the opposite way. Like you're working against, against yourself to maintain, um, strength and integrity around that joint. And mm-hmm. the more you do that, the more unstable the joint is, the more at risk you are for injury, especially on, on contact. If you're doing something, I could imagine a hypermobile body in like rugby, they would just be, Oh, pop. Yeah. Popping out like crazy. So painful. You want your joints to be strong to, to, um, transmit force upon movement. And we're not exactly doing that too much in yoga, but you're practicing that internal deep strength to, to hold and stabilize so that you can do all of these cool movements and, and the rest of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Like the wear and tear of pushing a joint past, um, a normal range. Cause remember the bones, even though, a, so, a 
someone with hypermobility might have this collagenous structure of their fascia that allows more movement. However, their bones are still the same general shape as everyone else. They still have a patella. They still have the knee socket that's that works in only this one direction, but they're able to go a little bit in the opposite direction because the collagen isn't preventing them. So if you think about the bones that are inside all of that collagen, inside all of the joint tissues, that's still going to get that wear and tear. And now it's getting pushed into an area where it's not built for that. And so the long-term sort of consequences that we're looking at is that there's a little bit more wear and tear on the uh, cartilage in areas where like the cartilage maybe is not as thick as it should be because um, the joint just never goes there. (laughs) Like it's not designed to go there. You know, we're not built to go there. Um, And and potential um, pain within the joints. Um, Yeah, and so... People with that EHD, whatever that syndrome, like the proper diagnosed one, um, often say they have a lot of pain in their joints um, and often say that there's like a lot of like full body pain. Um, And that's sort of the body. um, I just did yoga medicine's pain course, pain, this idea of it as like your body is telling you that something is in danger, right? Something's in danger. So the joint is if it hurts, um, and, and especially if it's like recent to the dislocation or recent to the movement that hurts it, it's trying to educate you to say that, please don't do this anymore. We are in danger of damaging a structure that I, I then have to like put a lot of effort into healing. So don't be a dumbass basically. Yeah. 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 So that like increased (laughs) risk for osteoarthritis. I don't know if it's an increased risk. Like a lot of people have we all have risk for osteoarthritis. Um, yeah. but, but you're, maybe that is more prominently felt in your body. Like, no, on definitely. A like, basis. yeah, injured joints, like even like regular people without hypermobility, that injured joint is much higher at risk of osteoarthritis than others. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how people are like, Oh, I can feel it in my knees. Well, did you injure that knee when you were in your twenties? Like, Oh yeah, I did. It's so often that's the knee you feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there is a correlation to uh, wear and tear and damage. Yeah, myofascial release is really good for that. I mean, yoga is really good for kind of reducing the imbalance, the improper tensegral balance, I guess. Yeah. Um. Okay, yeah. It? I was going to say something. I was going to say something. Oh, shoot. No, no. Oh, okay, okay, no. So, oh, there yeah, we go. Here, here we got it. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> How... Actually, maybe I'll just state this. I, I remember my 200 hour training. Um, we were doing back bends. And as I've spoken about in this podcast, my lumbar spine, like a lot of bodies, mm-hmm. but mine especially, like it's, it's good to go. It can back bend. It can back bend to the point or it extend rather to the point where I feel like a dull achiness in my lower back. Um, it, it doesn't mm. feel muscular at times. Like I can feel like the erector spine pulling on a little bit too much. That's like a muscle cramp feeling. I can identify that. Um, but this is like mm. a internal deep achy kind of feeling. And so I asked, I remember asking my teacher about this. He had his, a background in chiropractic, a master's in chiropractic. So I was like, okay, he's the good guy to ask. Yeah. He's like, well, rule of thumb is he's like, pain is so varied in everyone. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so painful that I could not do the pose. I think I also have a bit lower pain tolerance. So I need to be aware of that also. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, okay, so you, you do it today 
and do it with the kind of the alignment cues that I'm giving you so that you're doing the least amount of extension in your lower back and more in your thoracic. Um, okay. And then how do you feel tomorrow? How do you feel the next day? If like yeah. pain gets maintains for several days yeah. or gets worse, then yeah. you have to reassess that range of motion in your body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That took me a while to to put my head around that it's like the 24 to 48 hours after. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really important. And, and that goes for kind of all movements and all ranges of motion. You might, you might. Oh man, everything. Be like yeah. just because of the way maybe you sit all day and then just like regular extension of your leg, like standing upright, um, and doing a little bit of, uh, sorry, more specific glute work to create more tension in the front of your hip, your hip flexors. Maybe that like is something that causes you pain two days later and you need to move into it way more slowly. Like it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean it physically looks like an extreme range of motion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that you've gone way too far. It's just that you need to do do less, do less more and, and get there. And then you can kind of know where your, your end point is. Yeah. 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 It's a toughie, eh? It's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's a, yeah, it's like, I think your teacher put it well about like explaining to you about the, the 24 and the 48 hours afterwards. Um, did he, did he say why? Uh, probably, but I don't remember really. Okay. Okay. I'm just wondering like what stuck with you as a student, because this is like a, a thing that I think a lot of teachers are going to struggle with is like, because uh, uh, so, what I get and what I've had to struggle with is like a, a student walks in, they are very good at yoga. They come into a pose like um, full wheel and they're just like, I'm so tight today. I can't even get my legs straight or my, my, um, I don't know. I don't even know what's a, what's another extreme version or like, like yeah, I can't even get my legs straight, straight or I can't, most people is like, or I can't get my arms straight. Yeah. Um, and they're like, I'm so tight today. I just don't feel it. Um, how do you approach them and tell them that, you know, you're doing fine. The backbend clearly is like a huge backbend for most people. Um, and you don't always need to feel it to get the benefits of the pose. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's kind of like, it's like a, and like the benefits are going to reverberate for the next 24 hours. And that like, if you do feel something negative in the next 24 hours, then you've gone too far. I don't know. How do you, how do you say it without like a full on? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's <laughs> always somewhere where you can pull someone's attention to in the pose and be like, okay, next time when you come in, um, that's hard to do without a specific example, but like notice mm-hmm. how you push into every single joint and every finger. So mm. push like, and then get them. So that's going to create more engagement in your arms and the, and the pose might be more about engagement. And that's kind of what it should be for these hypermobile mm. folks. So you would actually just change your intention that you're teaching. Yeah. Or if they say, or if they come to me after the class and they said what you said, I'd say, all right, yeah, next yeah. time I want you to focus on exactly how much of your foot do you feel on the ground? Can you push it down evenly? Oh, I like, like that. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to sensations of resisting rather than stretching. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, I think that that is something I think that comes with like being more nuanced as a teacher. Cause in the beginning, it's just, I think as a, as a newer teacher, it's just like, it, it should look like that. And then <laughs> you're, you're done after that, you know, mm-hmm. you put them in the pose and then you just move on. Um, so yeah, that nuance is really, that's really nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I use it. Yeah. Do it, do it. 
but you know what like especially after like i've sort of done more research into this and my own body i i rarely teach those poses that that push and range flexibility anymore and maybe that's why i haven't come across it (laughs) like i uh, even like the shoulder stuff you know like i shoulder stretches are great but i always sort of balance it now with some shoulder strengthening or some at least like putting some muscle tone back into the shoulder um so i think even just that like kind of balanced a more balanced approach to planning your class which took me like years to learn um it could be a really good way for you to teach group classes for everyone's benefit yeah and i think well i think the end range of motion is interesting like I ha- and I have agreed with you in the class. We're pretty similar in teaching styles where I don't teach all the time these big, like huge maximum range of motion postures. Um, right. But I, th- well, I think that's probably just who we were teaching. Like there's been times when I've offered that and no one's gone into, no one's gone into a wheel. <laughs> yeah. Um, just yeah. cause they're like, yeah, I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a teacher, knowing where you can put strength into every pose is, is super important. Yeah. And you can practice yeah. that. Like you see that person, even just in the low lunge, like everyone thinks low lunge, um, front chin vertical, hips are down towards the floor as much as you can get them. Like that's a lot, a lot of teachers teach that way. And that's not, I mean, it doesn't even feel good in my body. Really? No. It feels too compressive oh. in my SI joints for one. Um, oh. But I feel way better being a little more upright and then like Mm-mm. posture tilting my pelvis, making sure yeah. drawing yeah. my belly in a little bit. And then I can lean forward, but I'm not laying forward with no work support in the back of yeah, my no work. body. Yeah. So yeah, see, that's like that knowing, knowing where you put strength and like then push to fr- yeah. push your front heel down more, lift your hips up, maybe yeah. the height of your knee. Maybe you work more on your quads. Mm. Yeah. It, it really, I think it really depends. Like I've been recently doing a lot of spin classes and like my end range is so far from what it was before <laughs> that now I can like very safely lay into the front of my hip and and it's it's awesome because I'm finally like stretching out that muscle that was like cycling for so long mm-hmm. you know I, I think it really really depends like for me that feels awesome right now but but it's because I know I'm not anywhere near my end range I'm I'm at the end range of the the muscle tension <laughs> and you can always yeah, I think as a teacher, you just have to really explore the postures. Like you see this body again, like with this, yeah. your hips, like someone's hips way down. You can tell they're kind of pushing because they can't feel anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? It's so like, where can you also add on to get more of a, a feeling of stretch if that's what they're looking for? You want in the mm. beginning of the class, it's front body openers or what you kind of want to mm-hmm. be doing. Um, okay. So maybe you tell everyone to push down through their front heel, lift their hips up three more inches. So give them a place to move to, even if that takes them mm-hmm. out of the feeling of stretch and then reach their arms up and back, draw your, draw your mm-hmm. rib cage up away from your pelvis. Mm-hmm. So lifting your spine actually away from your leg instead of just moving your spine forward towards your leg and moving your pelvis down. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of ways to, so many ways. to teach it. So yeah. many ways. But yeah. it takes some creativity and looking at the body and being like, where do I want that to be? Or where do I want that person to yeah. be practicing a little more strength and integrity? Yeah. And I think, yeah, like the the whole, you know, like sometimes um, I'll, I'll do this a lot. Like I'll approach an individual student and I'll I'll very quietly like give them one 
thing to work on that's where like this can and i think most people really appreciate it because i'll say it's sort of like um for you today i want you to try it like this and then just stay there mm-hmm. um so that's where i would maybe zero in on like oh man that guy is so tight you know he's nowhere near his end range he's just like fighting the battle of muscle tension like as i am these days mm-hmm. um and so for him i'd just be like here rest your hands on these blocks and just go as low as you can and then just breathe there, mm-hmm. you know, and for you, this is going to be your practice today. Um, and then maybe addressing the rest of the class who are mostly women <laughs> in that other way that Nat has so, you know, wonderfully described. Um, but yeah, that's another technique that I would definitely use, especially if I see like there's a huge discrepancy in the class. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes effort. You have to like get up, go there, make that decision. Do you... Do you often see um, a lot of hypermobility in bodies that have poor body awareness? I think it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like just this last weekend, I had a woman come into class and she was quite hypermobile and she had she'd never done yoga before. Right. Um, But she was quite strong, which is like often the case in hypermobile people. Um, So it was just a matter of like telling her you know, like, like just teaching mm-hmm. her, like showing her with my own body. Cause it's just cause that's just lack of experience though. Yeah. Right. Like having never done a thing, like, of course you're just going to like look around and be like, is this it? Is this it? Is this mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the first step of learning? Like, am I doing it right? Is, is my arm supposed to be there? Like, yeah. Because yoga is one of those practices where it's not necessarily like it, it pulls people with all body types and physical backgrounds. Yes. So you're not necessarily getting the athletic type who is used to um, practicing having their body in space in a specific way. You're getting people yeah, like, that do yeah. do all sorts of things. Yeah. Some people are like, where's my left arm? I don't know where my totally. like, left arm from right arm. Like sometimes that's the battle you have to fight, right? Yeah. Um, how about you? Do you notice anything in your classes? Um, I was trying, I like, I, th- I think I thought that maybe there was a lack of body awareness paired with hypermobility or maybe just hyperflexibility. I wouldn't Mm. necessarily say the joints go out of a normal range, like out of alignment. Um, But I'm not sure. Also, I'm not really sure. I might just, that might just be stuck in my brain more because those were moments of like, holy, wow. Mm. Wow, we got okay. Give, let me give them two cues to bring them bring them in a little, but without overwhelming them. And that's um, I think it's like one of the hardest body types uh, to teach is is just someone with lack of body awareness in general. Yeah, without overwhelming yeah. them, without Super being hard. on them the whole class. Like you want to give them I the know. space. So I know. I, I feel so bad. <laughs> I, feel like- I know, but like you want to give them support, but you don't want to be picking them apart. So like you're not going, you're not finding, fine tuning. You're just like, Hey, this foot forward. And then this knee is, yeah. is bent somewhat, somewhat yeah. period, somewhat. And then lift yeah. your arms <laughs> just, <laughs> and just give them that. And that's, that's all they need to do this yeah. class, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and, and this is worth like segueing away from it. I think a lot of people think yoga is like open for everyone because like you just follow the teacher, like a fitness class, uh-huh. but like it's so much more than that. And it's like, it's so hard to communicate because I get so many like English as a second languages. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I don't realize it until like after we've begun and I'm like oh well shit now I have to demo everything <laughs> I didn't want to demo no it's so exhausting for teachers teachers it's exhausting yeah, it's, it's you got to get out of that get off your mat um but it is hard. I've, I've taught those classes as well. If I can identify those students at some point, if they are coming back, mm. I will, um, strongly recommend that they are not on the edge of the class, not at the front, not at the back. Well, sometimes it's only like yeah, two, two yeah, rows yeah. in your studio or something, but in the middle somewhere side on a side yes, to side. Yes. Yes. So yes. that they can at least yes, look at the, exactly. the people on either side of them. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. If you can identify newbies or mm-hmm. English as a second languagers and put them right smack dab in the middle, oh, it makes life so much easier. They can look left, they can look right, they can look behind. Ugh, and, but anyway, we don't we don't always have yeah, that. Even people um some people with a hearing impairment. Oh yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah, yeah, whether it's age related or or otherwise. Yeah, like, I know. yeah, they they kind of know more to go in the middle or usually they'll actually let you know, which is I've found most people have have said as my voice starts to dwindle off. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, because we get quiet. Okay, um, let's get back on topic because yeah. those are really useful for people to know. But back on topic, and I just want to quickly go through like what are what are the better practices for in terms of yoga styles for someone who is on this sort of spectrum, um, and what are the non ideal? Like lesser good, mm-hmm. yeah, practices. yeah. Of course, like worse, pra- lesser good, worse, worse, worse. God, okay, come on. So I would say more like a, a vinyasa and a hatha, like a hatha that is more classical, or I don't know if you want to call it that, but stronger. Like you're you're doing some a solid amount of standing work and standing postures where you're holding yourself. Um, a vinyasa practice is excellent as well because with the repetition, if you are um, cueing them in a way when you go into repetition in and out of a stretch, I mean, you know, you have the little flows like bend your knee and then like straighten your leg, Parsvottanasana type flows or something. If you are making people aware of that specific body part, say the knee, then you can actually build strength by keeping that little bit of a bend. Or if you are doing repetition into an area of the body where it requires you to hold yourself, say like chaturanga or even just plank then you are kind of it's like a it's like lifting a weight you know you're strengthening that muscle to to contract you're teaching it to contract mm-hmm. more more over time yeah so that with yeah, repetition exactly. repetition um feeds into how our body does neuroplasticity like the role of neuroplasticity so you're creating those neurons to fire that was a terrible mm-hmm. english sentence you know <laughs> but we get it. You're, you're creating the neural pathways, yes. like the patterning, the habit of firing yeah. the muscles rather than laying in them. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's no, what I'm repetition totally, does. So that's why right. that's kind of helpful to yeah. turn it on, turn it on, turn it on, turn it on. Your body learns how to turn it on, turn your muscles on, yeah. support you. And then half the for the hold, yeah. which really is like that, they, that maintenance, that constant contraction is, is similar mm. into that repetition. Yeah. Power, of course, is just like a more extreme vinyasa. Um, that would work too. And then mm-hmm. a yin probably would be less, less ideal. Unless mm-hmm. you're going into a yin and I, I don't know, unless you're, you're a person who has a lot of anatomical knowledge and you're holding yourself out of, um, mm-hmm. out of those bad ranges of motion or 
not bad, but not supportive. But you wouldn't probably feel anything. Yeah, I think you'd just be angry. <laughs> you just sit there being so angry. I mean, a lot of people get angry in Indian class. And that's kind of... What? Oh, oh really? yeah. There's Why? It's so chill. It depends. Like, classical yin is... It sometimes sucks. Oh, well, yeah, I can get that. Especially if you're, like, not on your back. Yeah, exactly. I want I want all yin classes on my back. Yeah. I refuse to do, like, a seated yin posture or a standing yin posture. Like, no. I could do, like, some seat. Nah, I mean, it gets pretty aggravating. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get yeah. that. Okay, now now I understand. Because, yeah. like, you and I probably prefer, like, a, a restorative <laughs> yin blend. Yes, so much. going, like, classical yeah. yin, I've been some when you're in a low lunge. And I'm just like, my hands aren't even comfortable. Like, that. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember someone made me do that. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't like this at all. Yeah, no, yeah. It's like, I'm like, I'm trying to, like, put my hands on the ground. Then it's too much um, wrist mm. extension. And then I'm trying to, like, push into the ground. And then my chest mm. is getting all tight. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. I put my shoulders back. I grab blocks. And then I'm, like, holding the edges of my yeah. mat. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Um, when you said that, I just thought of something. So, you know how I'm saying like my quads and my hip flexors are tight because I've been doing a lot of spin and mm-hmm. running. Um, what I've noticed is that I actually, so I don't know if this is in all hyper mobile people or, or like along, again, it's probably the spectrum, um, like that gray range. But when I hold a pose, I, I can relax that muscle and that muscle can re-lengthen relatively quickly. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder if the speed of the fascia relaxing and, and the, like releasing, um, is faster in hypermobile people. And that's another reason why not to do yin because it's held for so long. So you're going to keep sinking, sinking, and you're going to sink at a faster rate than someone that's, you know, that, that's collagen is all bound up and knotted. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 I would just, I think it's pretty easy, uh, safe to say, um, yin is not your ideal practice. I yeah. Mean, unless you're, you're like super aware. If you have a lot of flexibility in your body as well, rather, whether that's like a hyper mobility or just a flexible mm-hmm. body, if you want a relaxation in your practice, go for a restorative. Yeah. I agree. Go for a restorative, maybe um, like a gentle hatha or something or, yeah. The other thing that I've heard is that like, especially with people who are very, very hypermobile and very active, um, and they're already strong and they know how to stabilize and they know they have to stabilize a lot. Those people, um, yoga is good because then you can make the distinction between a tight muscle and a tired muscle and they're, they're different. So hypermobile people are not like tight in the, the classic way of fascia being really like bound up. Rather, their muscles are being used a lot. Like if they're, if they are active to stabilize. So their muscles just might be tired. Um, so for a person like that, you might want to just do some foam rolling. You might want to do some, um, very gentle stretching, lengthening. And, and again, that's like the, the languaging of it, like the lengthening of the tissues or the softening of the, the belly of the muscle rather than, you know, pulling at the edges of the muscle in order to gain or regain whatever length they think they lost by, by shortening the muscle. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, before we go, well, maybe, I don't know if it's, <laughs> What do you think about discussing like language around preventing laying into the joints? Because I personally have erased the word deep from my teaching. Even deep breath? Okay, no. (laughs) Damn it. In any, (laughs) anything to do with the physical Um... body. 
I like never, and that was from my 300 hour, I think. It's like, what do you mean by deep? We thought a lot about a lot of stuff. Yeah. We thought, we thought yeah. deeply about stuff. Um, but it was like, oh. <laughs> just like, what do you want the person to achieve? Like is deeper mm. better and why? And yeah. so that, yeah. that like deeper practice yeah. thing, deeper practice to me yeah. is like very much going in, into having a personal internal experience and that's not linked to the physical. Like it's mm. not like, it's not linked to, um, more range of motion i should yeah say. yeah and i think yeah that's something definitely to communicate because i think people think a deep version of the pose or an advanced version of the pose is going to be the most flexible one the one that requires the most flexibility um so yeah that language is super duper important i've like i've even taken to say sometimes or like you know what i'll do i'll, I'll i've started to compare i've started to give options of two poses that are unrelated to show people and to train them that my options are not an advancement one on top of the other so it's not pigeon and then king pigeon Mm -hmm. it's pigeon or twist Mm -hmm. totally unrelated totally does two different things and then when i go back to saying something like crow pose or malasana these are two separate things one is not an advancement of the other you don't do the other one because you can't do the first one it's because you you're just your target is different so i'm trying to get that like language and intention more into it recently um yeah what do you what how do you say it i like that um well again i don't use that word deep with respect to the physical (laughs) process yeah do it um i don't use the word advanced i don't use yeah um or if i do it's a it's a whoops and then i like yeah. yeah. And then I, yeah, it, me it too. Happens. I'm just like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have yeah. said that. Yeah. But it's like, I'm yeah. very mindful. That's like my work is be very mindful about that stuff. And then, yeah. or like yeah. stage one, stage two, which is harder, but there's like, okay, there's this if you're here. And this is how I was taught to, to teach the different, um, I'm going to, they'd say stages of the posture. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you're here and you can maintain this and your breath, probably like you can maintain this physical contraction of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, then this part comes potentially. I know it's so tough though. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. 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 Like often I'll say that like before crow pose, you know, like just maintain that pushing of your fingers down and I'll, I'll be there. I'll just be saying that and I look around and people are like already in it mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, like they're going to take the variations they're going to take. There's nothing I can do to stop them really. If they really want to go for it, like, right. sure, but you're still going to get to the, the newer people who are, it's true. Yeah. 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 So that's helpful. Yeah. Um, what else do I do? I just teach strength a lot. I just commonly, <laughs> I think, yes, stability. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just cue strength a lot. Um, like there's always a little muscle that I'm having people bring their attention to in a more, your more regular warm up postures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with, with the hyper mobile people, it's to beware of the, the really easy postures too. Like, Oh, King Pigeon is so, so easy for you. Um, you can just pop in and out of it like super duper, like your Gumby. Um, so yeah, like maybe observe that and let's, let's find something for you that's going to be more beneficial. Um, like plank. Yeah. <laughs> Poor, how about a good bent elbow plank? <laughs> oh man, they would hate you. 
hate me so, so much. much. <laughs> I actually think like when you're talking about king pigeon in general, working towards a peak pose is a good way to practice strength in a practice. Like, really? I think so. Well, maybe it's just the way I, I, I teach it depends. IQ, but I, yeah. Like there's, yeah. Okay. So say any arm balance, I would say that that's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. You're usually practicing. You have to hold yourself. You have to practice strength there. You maybe have to lift yeah. your legs off the ground as well. That's a lot yeah. of work. So those ones are, and then if you're threading that in a peak pose, you're going to teach elements of that shape and um, what yeah. muscles need to do that work. You're going to repeat those in several ways throughout the practice. Yeah. It, it's just that some peak poses aren't strength based. You can make them like wheel pose. You can make all about the glutes. You can make it all about the glutes. Okay. Foot behind the head. What? Um, I just don't teach. <laughs> can you? I don't, I don't really teach that. I would teach like. Yeah, see? I would teach like contracting. Your, push your setting bone down a little bit. You can, you can put some stuff in there, but it might also pop someone's hip out. <laughs> no. If, God, it hopefully wouldn't. It hopefully wouldn't. Oh God. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think it, it also depends how you're going about teaching or Vishwamitrasana, you know, that extreme hamstring one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know. I, my jury's out on that. I'm not sure peak pose sequencing is, I mean, it, it's a great learning tool, but like I've been in classes where people have taught like that and I've, it's just felt terrible. I guess it totally depends on the teacher there too. Uh, yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, it depends on their sequencing. Yeah. And I, I would, I also, yeah, I choose peaks that are more strength based and I'm working on the strength stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like your, yeah, that's a bias, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like not everyone does that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But I think, um, I think working on yeah. peak for, uh, like building to peak and putting in, um, more call it advanced or, I don't know, and physically, physically asking, <laughs> challenging posture, like working towards it is more beneficial than just putting it in there out of the blue because, Oh, of course. Of like course, a lot yeah. of teachers do that. Really? Okay. That's not how I've been to, to some, some classes where it's just, it's thrown even in. just like revolve triangle. Without, without oh, man, like, so much prep. doing, like, that's, that was one of the first standing postures. Yeah, that's it's weird like, to me. No, man, I need to twist once at least, probably 17 times before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how cold my butt is? Do you know how cold my spine yeah, is? Yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, dude, warm me up more. Like I, it takes a while. I need to, I need to get like moving yeah. first. Cause that's like for me, like hugely engaging posture to, to twist. You need to engage. You need to yeah. engage your obliques. Yeah. Oh, but it's so good after like a run. Mm. Oh, it's just like, yes. Mm. Get into that glutes. The twist. Oh yeah. Oh, it really is a good, so good. a good one. Yeah. I really like that pose. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> we good? I think we're good. This conversation went on for a while, know, eh? It's longer than I thought. So we're going to do a couple episodes. We'll pop them in hopefully before Christmas and we'll talk about more specifically uh cueing and working with probably like the pelvis, the spine, and the shoulders. Maybe the knees will be implicated in the hips. Like they'll be part of that probably. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm going to send some links up for interesting um 
uh, videos to watch. So about like how, how the diagnoses for the EEDS is done. Um, and the article it comes from, um, two of these Mayo Clinic, um, articles about just what the, the hypermobility as a syndrome looks like. Um, and that are actually, they're, they're pretty interesting because you can sort of see, you can sort of see the, like the, the speaker's, um, bias as well. And there's one, the geneticist on hypermobility. He's so like, it's so dark. He's like, there is no cure. Oh, you just, you just live with it and deal with it. <laughs> he doesn't talk like mm. that. <laughs> just, <laughs> I hope not. But it's, yeah, it's, it's dark. It's, yes, it's depressing. There's all sorts of perspectives out there, as we know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really depressing perspective. But anyway, yes, there are, there are many, um, perspectives. And, and honestly, like the, as a yoga teacher, I think the people that you're going to come across, like I've never come across someone with this EDS. Um, but like in that range of things, like most people come to you already knowing something about their body and something about like their tendencies. Um, so that's really good. That's really like helpful to already come from that starting place of a little bit of awareness. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. I'm going to read those. Yeah. Check that shit out. Yeah. Or watch them. They're, they're videos. Oh, even easier. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do the thing. Okay. So. We have a 10% discount code for anyone who's interested in going to the Wanderlust um, events this year for the year of 2019. Um, so Wanderlust puts on four and two day festival events. Um, and you can just use our code and get 10% off. There's still several more that are going to go on in 2019. So if you haven't made it to one, they're super fun to go and, um, discover a ton of different types of teachers, super cool teachers. Mm-hmm. And then also we have a link for rad rollerballs, which are our choice in myofascial release tools. Um, you can have the balls, you can have the little roller pins, a little squishy ball, that little gray one that you blow up and you put under your diaphragm and oh, it's so cool. Anyways, mm. they have so many excellent tools. Um, myofascial release is a really nice practice to, to work in with yoga. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, the comment guys, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was looking on someone else's iPhone on uh ah. like apple podcast to see if people could put a review yeah, yeah. there and i wasn't yeah i don't think i don't think you can do it i think you might have to only oh, do darn. it i'm not sure if you guys can if you can leave a review a little five star and anything you've learned or insights from this podcast or you want to say something we'd really appreciate it if you're not able to do it on your phone if you have a mac and you can do it on your computer that'd be like bonus points for going out of your way to do that because well people we just don't do stuff like that I have a hard time writing an email. Um, <laughs> so that'd be amazing. If you can review us on any of your podcast listening apps, we would really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it really helps. Thank you guys so much for listening. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Bye.